All right. Y'all ready to go tonight? Well, we're still talking about being powerless or powerful. Uh, I don't know who, who all was here last week, but we, we started this conversation about being a powerful church full of powerful individuals. And I think that's, that's pretty important. In fact, let me pull my, I didn't put this in my notes, but I want to read this. Um, and it's simply the definition of powerful or of power. In the noun form, it's the ability to do something or act in a particular way, especially a faculty or quality. Well, that should be the church. I mean, we should be able to act in a certain way, do something particular, right? I mean, there's, that's just power in that. Two, there's, under the noun, is the capacity or ability to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. Again, that should be the power of the church. That should be the powers of, of us as saints. So in the, uh, in the verb form, it means this. Supply. A device with mechanical or electrical energy. I think you could put that even as spiritual energy. That, that we need that power. To move or to travel with great speed or force. And I'm, I'm getting excited just re reading the definition of, of power. That's, that's the Holy Spirit's power. I mean, you read these definitions and you're like, that's got to be talking about God, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Well, let's go ahead and pray again. I don't think we can pray too much. We're at church. We can, we can pray all we want, right? Father, I just, I am so thankful for your power. We are so thankful for your power that you've given us your Holy Spirit. And Father, let us be amazing receivers. Let us take and run with what you've given us. Lord, let us not dream small. Let us, let us put away those small thoughts. Let us put away the, the chains that have bound us in the past, the things that we haven't been able to get over in our own power, but that you've given us power and the light and the love to truly impact our families. Not just our families in our city. We want to impact our families in city, but, but that you've taken me. You've taken us when we were broken. And your power is permeating every bit of our lives. Your light is permeating the dark and the hidden places. The places that we've been afraid to show you. The places that we've, we've, we've been afraid to show each other. Because will we be accepted? But we thank you that your power is the power for healing. Your power is the power for restoration. We thank you that your power gives us that mighty force to move forward with great speed and energy. Father, I ask tonight that you help us to, to even set aside the elementary doctrines so that we can move forward with force in doing your, wor your word and your will for this world. And Father, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So in, in the book of Acts, 
1038 through 47. I can't ever figure out which way is on. But I think I got it now. Nope. You'll hit the next slide for me. Um, it's Acts 1038 through 47. And I'm going to read this in the Passion Translation. It says, Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with great power. There's a lot more to be said here, but he was anointed with the Holy Spirit in great power. The Holy Spirit is Christ in us. It's the hope of glory. And is any, is any part of God not powerful? Let me ask it that way. Is there any part of God that is not powerful? Absolutely not. There is no part of God that is not powerful. But... We've got to lean into that. We've got to allow him, and we've got to believe. We've got to know that, that, hey, the Holy Spirit resides in me. So there is something powerful there. And it's not for our own gain. It's not for, uh, it's like all the spiritual gifts. It's not for us so much as it is for the world around us, for the people around us, for the, for the things that need hope around us. Now, this is, this is where we need the church. This is where we need people in our lives because your fruit is not for you. But when, when we are together, I get recharged. I get a bite of something that empowers me. This is why we need to be the church. It's more than, than just thinking it, it's all about me or I need, I need help, God, I need help. Well, yeah, you do. So does this world. And until we realize that the hope of glory sits next to us. We're missing something. We're anemic. We're, we're lacking the blood. We need that. So let's read on a little bit. Hey, my clicker worked. How about that? So Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by God with a Holy Spirit and great power. He did wonderful things for others and divinely healed all who were under the tyranny of the devil. Man, we talk about tyranny, but the devil's tyranny, what he had before Jesus came and, was saved and, and died on the cross and redeemed us from that. And I can't even imagine Every time I look back at the cross, every time I look back at Christmas and think of, of the birth of Christ, I, I think about what it must have been like before to live under the tyranny of the devil. For God had anointed him. We apostles were eyewitnesses to all the miracles that he performed throughout the land of Israel. Finally, in Jerusalem, he was crucified on a cross but God raised him from, a from the dead three days later, allowing him to be seen openly. He didn't appear to everyone, but he appeared to us, his chosen witness. He actually ate and drank with us, and he rose from the dead. Jesus ordered us to preach and warn the people that God had appointed him to be the judge of the living and the dead. And not only us, but all the prophets agree in their writings, that everyone who believes in him receives complete forgiveness of sins through the power of his name. The complete forgiveness of sins is what gets us so wrapped up sometimes. I want to say, we'll read in Hebrews in a little bit, 
It's an elementary doctrine, the doctrine of forgiveness, the doctrine of, of who God is. He's called us to, to let that be our launching pad. We're not supposed to stay there. We're supposed to have enough faith and believe to where we can launch from there and actually impact things and move forward. So, that anyone who believes in him receives complete forgiveness of sins through the power of his name. While Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit cascaded over all of those listening to his message. The Jewish brothers who had accompanied Peter were astounded. You ever feel that way when you, like, you see a new believer and you're like, man, I've been believing for 40 years. And this, this new guy over here, he's like, all of a sudden he has all this power. And you're like, we thought we were the church, but that guy, man, he, he has that fresh belief. He has that fresh understanding. He hasn't allowed it to be dampened out or to be stomped out yet. Because that's where some of us have landed. So the Jewish brothers that had accompanied Peter were astounded at the gift of the Holy Spirit. that was poured out on the people who weren't Jews. For they heard them speaking supernaturally, given languages, and passionately praising God. Peter said, how could anyone object to these people being baptized? See, the Jews were saying, this is for us only. And for a season it had been. But then the veil was broken, and it was open to us, the Gentiles, the people who were outside of the Jewish covenant. So again, how could anybody object to these people being baptized? For they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he instructed them to be baptized in the power of the name of Jesus. You know, we, we sometimes forget. We say so many prayers, and it's good that we constantly are praying, but we forget the power that's in the name of Jesus. I think when we're praying, and I, and I, I want to be more aware. I, even as I'm praying with, with my kids, I, I want to be more aware of, I don't want to just say, in the name of Jesus, just out of repetition, out of habit. I want to, I when I pray, to remember that there is power in His name. That something literally happened 2,000 years ago on a cross. And three days later, he rose again. And he, he went down into Hades, into Abraham's bosom, and he preached the gospel. <laughs> and he kicked everything the devil had done. He put it under his feet. And now he's given that to us. He's transferred that to us. He's transferred, according to John 17, he's transferred that to us, his people, those who were far off. So he instructed them to be baptized in the power of the name of Jesus and the anointed, the anointed one. After their baptism, they asked Peter to stay with them for a few more days. And here's the cool part. When that power hit, news traveled fast. And, it, and soon reached the apostles and the believers living in Judea that non-Jewish people were also receiving God's message of life. It's like a wildfire. At the, at the beginning of the year, we talked about the fire of the Holy Spirit. And when we believe, something awakens in us. We each have so much potential. There is so much potential in us that I...
I actually, I don't look, I look forward to going to heaven one day, but when I go, I want to be so poured out. I want every bit of potential that God put in me to have been burnt at his, at his, at his altar. I don't want to just live a life for me, focused on me. Now, I need other people to help ignite that fire, to help ignite that potential that God's put in me, because it's not for me. Again, it's not for me, but I think something we miss sometimes, one of the, the elementary things, we don't even feel like we deserve the forgiveness that he gives. We need to grow up past that. We need to understand that he paid a great price for us, and he has put potential in you, not for you, but for his kingdom. And that potential is huge. It's just, it's amazing. I, I, I sit back and I think just that all that God has done in just a, a few short years in my life, but I can't wait to see what he's done in 20 years, in 40 years. When my grandkids are coming up, if a people will sell out to him, it's going to be absolutely amazing. We'll be able to see it with our eyes and, and even touch it. We live in a world that is powerless, but that world instinctively knows there is something more. We talked about this out of the book of Romans last week. All creation attests to his glory. All creation attests that there is a God. A powerless world is an expectation, but a powerless church is an abomination. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to be a, a part of a powerless people that doesn't honor the power of God. As 2 Timothy says, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. It says avoid such people. So first off, I don't want to be that person. Right? I don't want to be a person without power. And truthfully, we shouldn't surround ourselves with, with people that are powerless. Now, that doesn't mean we go out and it doesn't mean that we don't reach out because we do. In fact, all of us in our lives, we have areas where maybe we've forgotten. Maybe we've, um, we've been beat up by the world. Maybe we've been kicked a few times. But we need people around us that can say, hey, man, I know it's hard, but God's got your back in this. He has, we've, sing, we've sung the song, He has never let us down. He will never let us down. A powerless world and a praise to worry, but a powerful church prays in faith. I believe that's, that's so key. We've got to pray and believe. We've got to pray and actually believe what we're saying. 2 Timothy 1, 6-7 says, For this reason I remind you to fan the flames into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So it's somewhat up to us to stir up that flame that's in us. You know, it happens when we read the Word. It happens when we pray. If you don't pray in the Spirit, let me encourage you. Get with, get with me or Don and, and let's talk about it. I know it could be weird. I know it could be strange, but it encourages me. It builds me up. It fans that flame in me. And it, 
It doesn't have to be hokey or goofy. It's just you and God getting along. It's just you and God. It's, like, it's you letting God have a part of you that's so deep and so hidden that sometimes when we're busy in the world and, and everything around us, that we forget it's even there. That's the part that we need to stir up. That's the part of you that is praying constantly. And sometimes we've just tuned it out to the degree that we, we ignore it. So a powerful church remembers its first love and is committed to maturing. I want to grow up. I don't want to be where I am right now a year from now. I don't want to remain immature in areas of my life. I want to grow. I want... I know this could be this could be self-focused and we've got to watch that, but I want to grow past this place so that I can have more power in my life. Because there's things that I'm not aware of. You know why? I like to think because God's gracious with me and He's not hitting me with everything at once, but He does discipline me. He corrects me. He He adjusts my path. But I have to allow Him to. And I want to grow so that. What's been holding me back won't hold me back anymore. And there's areas, if you're honest, in every one of our lives, and I don't care if you're 110 years old, there's areas that God wants to mature you if you just allow Him to. So Hebrews 12 says this, For by this time you ought to be teachers. How many of you have a little panic attack when you, when you read that? Like, I don't want to teach anybody. I don't know enough of the Scriptures to teach anybody. Well, we, we read in Scriptures, too, that He's put His Word in you. He's put His Word in your heart. So it's amazing. We, we open up these Scriptures and we read, and every time you open the Scriptures, every time you come to church and you, you hear the Scripture taught, you know what's happening? You're getting a seed planted in your heart. And what the Holy Spirit will do, because He is real, He will pull that out when you need it. You put it in, he's already put it there. This this book just confirms with what he's already put in you. And uh, the cool thing is when the seed's there and you give him opportunity, you open your mouth, he's able to speak through you. I don't think there's anything more beautiful than that. So let's, let's, let's exchange the fear of not knowing for the power of allowing him to work through you. He is real. So by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles, the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Okay, unskilled in the word of righteousness. That means maybe they don't believe the gospel fully. They don't understand it yet. They're still clinging to... Um, you know, Hebrews is written to the Jews who were under the law, so they're still clinging to works. They're still clinging to, I've got to live up. I've got to be good enough. You know how many people in our community don't even believe they can go to church because they don't think they're good enough to go to church? Maybe it's because the church has been so insecure about their own good that we've, we've put our arm out and stopped them. It says, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. 
what makes you righteous? There's only one thing, only ever one thing, and that's believing in Jesus. Not just believing in him, but believing what he has done to sin and the law. Since he is, everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. It's okay to be a child. But would it ever be okay for, you know, if that baby doesn't grow, you know, if that baby doesn't get bigger and start understanding more and start speaking more, something's wrong, right? So we're going to find out what's wrong. We're going to speak the word to it. But that's in our lives too, even as adults. Are we growing? Are we maturing in the ways of God? Hebrews 5.14 says this, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, what? Trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You don't know these things. Let me just put it simply for you. You don't know what you don't know until you don't know it. I hope, that, I hope that didn't trip anyone up. You don't know what you don't know until you don't know it. But if you have the Holy Spirit in you, all of a sudden one day you're going to go, oh, I didn't realize that was there. But if you're not condemning yourself, if you're going, okay, God, thanks for showing that to me. Thank you for not letting me trip over that again. Then you get to grow. You get to mature. So therefore, let... Let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying, again, a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. We ought to know that already. We ought to already know that He's, he's the King. He's, we just need to repent, trust Him, trust it fully in His work and not our own. Maturity is a funny thing. It replaces fear with faith and rejoices in the midst of pain. Not because we want the pain, but because we trust the Father in the outcome. I'm going to say that one more time. Maturity replaces fear with faith. A child, an infant in the faith is, is going to constantly be going back to, to, the, to the doctrines of repentance. And, and it's going, I, I don't know if I'm good enough. That's why we talk so much about identity here. We have to know who we are in Christ. But maturity replaces fear with faith and rejoices in the midst of pain. Not because we want the pain, but because we trust the Father in the outcome. That part of you I was talking about a second ago, the spirit part, it's already bearing witness with that. It's already saying, yeah, that's right. But your, uh, your solical part of you, the part that your flesh, your, your, uh, your mind, your thought, your will, emotion, it fights against that stuff. By the way, I did look that word up. Solical is a real word. So, <laughs> Maturity replaces fear with faith and rejoices in the midst of pain. Not because we want the pain, but because we trust the Father in the outcome. Romans 5.1, it says, Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. He now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now truly enjoy and lasting peace with God 
all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into the marvelous kindness that was given to us, a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. Maybe you haven't gotten there yet, but just keep stirring it up, keep stirring it up, keep stirring it up, keep calling on that spirit that he's put in you. But that's not all. Even in our times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressure, that, that our pressures will develop us in patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not, a, is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our lives through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. I love that. It, it's like, it's like when, when Peter was praying and, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just poured down. That, that picture, this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading onto our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. A powerless world and even a powerless Christian, we try to lead through a way that, that's not godly. We try to lead through force, through manipulation, through guilt, through condemnation. I won't tell anybody because I'm raising my hand here, but have you ever, like, used guilt to try to get your kids to act a certain way? Okay, y'all don't have to, I'm covering my eyes, y'all don't have to raise your, your hands. I know I have. That's not how I want to lead. I want my kids to follow me. And if, if you've done that, there's, there's repentance. It's, it, we're moving forward. Love covers a multitude of sin. But a powerless world tries to force, manipulate, guilt, and condemn. It uses fear and threats to try to get people to follow. Ever been around any of that? I have. It's, it's not fun. It works on me. It, it, it used to work on me. I needed that approval. So, I mean, you could, you could guilt me into things. I'm, I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to mature past that. But it's out of insecurity that we even allow that to come into our lives. We cannot use the world's tools and expect different results. I mean, that, that threw the, the world into what we call the dark ages. The church tried to do that to, to people. They tried to get people to pay penance for forgiveness. How perverted is that? Thank God that, that we've grown past that, that we know that we can approach the throne of God. And our payment was Jesus. A powerful church embraces the Holy Spirit and the supernatural power that he gives his bride. Supernatural power. It's almost a, in our culture, in our, our, our day, supernatural is almost a, a mystic or magical word. It's almost lost it, something. But what does it mean? It's more than the natural. It's, there's more to it. There's more to you 
than just the natural. There's more to you than just you, what you touch, you feel, you see. There's your spirit inside of you. And he, when you ask him for it, gives you that power. Why? Because he's purchased us. We're his. We're his bride. And out of all the spiritual gifts that we need, desire, and pursue in this present time, faith, hope, and love are, are the foundational gifts of power. Prophecy is important. Um, words of knowledge are important. Healing is important. I mean, there's gifts of healing. Would you not say that in our current situation, we need those things? We need to pursue them. We need to, to pursue what God is giving us. Because as it says, we see through a, a glass dimly. But the foundational things, sometimes we, we set aside. We, we go, well, God, I want to speak in tongues. Well, God, I want to prophesy. Well, God, I want to, to do all of these great things. Well, have you pursued love? Have you stirred up hope? Have you stood steadfastly in your faith? Because those are the foundational things that never will go away. 1 Corinthians 13.1 in the Passion Translation says this, If I were to speak with, elo with eloquence, I'm struggling with that tonight. If I were to speak with eloquence in the earth's many languages and have the heavenly tongues of angels, Yet I didn't express myself with love. My words would be reduced to a hollow sound of nothing more than a, a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with profound, with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, man, I want that. Sometimes I, I strive so hard for that personally that I forget the foundational principles of love, hope, and faith. with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets. I'm praying for that still. I want that. I desire that. And if I possess unending supernatural knowledge, and if I have the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. Someone I follow posted a, a, something on Instagram this week. It said, and I'm going to have to paraphrase. I'm, I can't remember it exactly, but it was something along the lines of, if I can pray in tongues, but I'm mean, what good am I? It, it's true. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr, without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous. Okay, how many of you are consistently kind to all people? I want to know you. If you are, I want to be around you. I, I, I do. I, I, I want to be there, but I'm not there. I'm not always even kind to my kids. <laughs> but you know what? I have the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's when I step outside of that power that I step into my flesh that the things get tripped up a little bit. So love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. That's awesome. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements or inflate its own importance. 
How many of you guys have been there? I know you ladies would never do that, but us guys sure like to do that. We like to brag on our own ego. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love celebrates honestly and finds out and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat for it never gives up. That is beautiful. It never stops believing the best for others. If we really understood that God has put supernatural, heavenly power and potential in each of us. When those around us trip or stumble, you know what we do? Hey, come on. Come on, man. Hey, I know you tripped. I know it's hard right now, but there's more in you than that. We are not going to let failure define us. Jesus paid too much for that. It's time to put that elementary doctrine behind us and move on. Yeah, we need to make amends. Like, if you tripped, then, then let's get up. Let's repent. Let's, let's move forward. But I'm here for you. I'm going to help you. And when I trip, because I, I know it's, it's probably coming, would you help me? We need to live lives of honor like that. Love is a safe place of shelter. It never stops believing the best in others. Love never takes failure as defeat. It never gives up. Love never stops loving. It ex- Scripture says that God is love. So love is eternal. We don't know what love is. I, I Pray with me. Father, show us what your kind of love is. I know we're reading it in your Scripture, but make it real in our lives right now. Like Make it real in our lives this week as we go to work, as we, as we leave here tonight, as we go out to eat. Show us what your kind of love is, the love that requires nothing in return. Father, we want to know. We as a church, we want to know. We want to see your love, your kind of love in our lives. We want to see it overflow in our kids. We want to see it overflow in our schools. We want to see it overflow in the streets. We want to see your kind of love overflow at work. And Father, I look forward as as your kind of love is overflowing. These people, it's going to overflow, and some of it's going to hit me. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you that your kind of love is going to overflow from me to my wife. And then as she seeks you, that, that, that she's going to see your kind of love and it's going to overflow to me and, and the kids. And because of your kind of love, there's not going to be the condemnation. There's not going to be the doubt. And we will be able to see your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we will be leaving the condemnation. We will be leaving the fear, doubt, and unbelief. We will be leaving those things. And Father, I just thank you that your supernatural power will open our eyes to your kind of love. Jesus' name, amen. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It's more important than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. But when, one's, when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. 
for I saw things like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured, and I set aside my childish ways. For now we see but a faint reflection of the riddles and the mysteries, as, as, through, as though reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now. But one day I will understand everything, just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. That's how we mature. That's how we grow. I'm praying for myself that, that I get to have a better perception of faith, hope, and love and stirring those things up in my life. I'm praying for us as a church that those things are the foundation. I believe in, in all the gifts of the Spirit. I believe we need them. I believe we're in that time where we need them. But if we don't put that foundation down, those stepping stones. So Jesus is the cornerstone. And those, those next stones are faith, their hope, and their love. And all of the rest is built upon those principles. Amen? Let us be a powerful church full of faith, hope, and love who discerns one another as the body of Christ. And as we prepare to receive communion as the, as the worship team comes, I want you to remember that kind of love that sees the potential in each other, the potential that God's put in you. He created you beautifully and wonderfully for such a day as this. So we're going to worship and we're going to receive communion here in a moment. And we're going to remember, amen? Amen.